Do you ever wonder what's the point of it all? Why is it that you do all the things that you do? What's your big why? What's your intention? Do you ever wonder that there's just got to be more to life than what you're currently experiencing? Today's guest, Jennifer Kaufman, has been asking that question. She's a filmmaker, director, producer of the transformational movie, There's Got to Be More to Life. And this is based on the true story of her recovery from the terrorism at the Boston Marathon. She was impacted by that event and she has triumphed by going through the shadows and healing. Join us to find out more. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar Tribe. Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash membership, and sign up. We'll, we'll see you at our, our next, next tribe gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to those synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to something greater, to a greater understanding of ourselves, to a bigger discovery, a realization and it all comes back to the moment, to the present, to the now. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I love having these conversations week after week and exploring the mystery together, seeing how it's showing up in each of our individual lives. It's just amazing to me how the divine can show up in billions and billions and billions of ways for different lifetimes and different expressions of itself. And it's kind of fascinating. And as we head into this uh, interview, you know, what's really been on my heart has been this question of, and really it's it's perfect because Jennifer, our guest today is Jennifer Kaufman, and she is the director and producer of the transformational movie, There's Got to Be More to Life. And I want to say like, there's got to be more to life. There has got to be more to this matrix than simply uh, going after your own personal goals and dreams and achieving, 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 and getting to be a celebrity. You know, I, maybe some of you watched an interview I did years ago with Shaman Durek and he's, he's had a lot of success. You know, he's just published a book not that long ago, uh, Spirit Hacking. And, and so this interview that I did with him so many years ago was really capturing this moment of innocence in him before he became famous. And now that he's a celebrity shaman, it's kind of like a different story. It's like, I just get this icky feeling inside when that happens to people. It's like, okay, you got the thing that you've been praying about. You got it. You did it. Now what? Now what? Is that enough? Is that really all there is? Is just some more status, some more likes, some more subscribes, some more people talking great about you? I mean, is that all there is? And it's a question I ask myself as a messenger. Like, what am I actually doing this for? What is my big why? And as I come into that question, you know, as I've been contemplating, I've been a, honestly in a little bit of a stink pot. You know, I will just be honest. I get that way when friends that used to be friends stop interacting with me now because I'm not big enough anymore to play with them. I get that way. I get a little snuggy. I get like, you just, you know, like you just kind of hurt my feelings. And what's this about? And I think that for me, the contemplation is really asking myself, who do you want to be, Carrie Hummingbird? Who do you want to be? What are you actually doing this for? Are you doing this so that you'll have the big, you know, New York Times bestseller so that you'll uh, be on television so that you'll be in front of mass amounts of people? Why are you doing this? And when it comes down to me, I honestly have to say, no, that's not. Actually, that makes me really uncomfortable. The idea of 
being in front of a lot of people like that, which is why I stay in my house most of the time. <laughs> it makes me uncomfortable the thought of that. And yet I do want to make a difference. I want to make a global difference. And what's the difference I really want to make? I really want people to respect the earth. I really want the jungles to be flourishing with biodiversity. I, I really want the oceans to be clean and the dolphins and the whales to, uh, to not be assaulted constantly by jet engines and, and engine turbines in the, in the ocean from, the jet, from those cruise lines. I want silence. I want to be able to sit by the river and get in that expansive moment of presence without feeling and hearing cars rumbling by me on the road adjacent to the river. I want peace and quiet. I want humanity to shut up. Honestly, that's kind of where I'm at with it. And I know that that's obnoxious for me to say as a sage, because here I am putting my voice out there. So, you know, I'm kind of full of contradictions today. And so in this space of contradiction, full contradiction, I welcome my friend Jennifer Kaufman to the show. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you, Carrie. Thanks for having me. And it sounds like what you're describing is heaven on earth and a place where we all get to thrive. And I too long what you long for is the quiet, the solitude, the expansiveness, the the isness of life and not chasing the goal or chasing the dream or chasing the success, which I've done numerous times. And then I reached that place and I'm like, I have momentary lapses of happiness and fulfillment. And it's like, what is this all about? Really? How do we really, how do I really come home to myself and feel fulfilled every day, whether I do something, accomplish something or not just by being. So I love what you talk about is like, you know, I think we are missing the boat, so to speak on what it means to be a human being in this time. And I think that I sit here and reflect as my email list grows and my phone keeps buzzing with phone calls and tech messages to respond back to. And on one side, that's great, right? Because it shows like I'm connected and I'm out there. But on the other side, there's a part of me that's just like, please stop. I want peace. I want solitude. I want time for respite. I want time to be able to enjoy nothing like the nothingness. And it's interesting. I created my film, There's Got to Be More to Life, during COVID, actually, during the pandemic. And why did I create it? This film actually is different than any other project I've done before. I did it to share what's possible for people. And there's so many people on the planet that are in this space of, now what? Now what? You know, they've had enough time to reflect in the slowness of COVID, which, by the way, for me, was one of the many blessings of it. Please do not misunderstand what I say. I know a lot of people had hardship around COVID. You know, I, too, had some challenges around it. But if we look for the good in these types of situations, it got us to slow down. It brought us back home. It brought us back to a place of connecting with self. And I feel like now that we're coming out of the pandemic, like we're going back to our old ways of fast paced, go, 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 do, do, do. It's like, did we not spend the last two, two and a half years relishing this? I'm not ready to give it up yet. I'm not ready to give up that more ease and flow of life. I don't want to go back to the rat race. I don't want to go back to this fast paced, always on type of mentality and approach. So that's why I'm so excited to be on this call with you in this interview today is because I feel like we both have a lot to share to your listeners about the importance of slowing down and asking ourselves that very important question. Why do I show up every day doing what I do? Am I doing it for the praise and for the love that someone else might give to me? Or am I doing it because my heart's calling me forth? For me, it's a mix of both of them being truthful. Yeah, mix of both for me too, you know, because on the one hand, I have always sought validation. I think like many human beings sought this sense of validation on the outside. And over the last, 10 years of my shamanic path, I've been called forth to release those places of external validation. 
you know, to, to notice when they arise and then to come back inside myself and ask, what do I need to give myself in this moment? What is it that I am desiring from me? Because ultimately, when you write a book, Healing the Mother Wounds, and you go through that process and you realize that even your mother can't validate you, it's kind of like even your mom, who is like the one person who brought you into the world and obviously for some way wanted you here, can't validate your existence. You know, it's like, it's up to us individually to do that. And so, yeah, as a sage, as a messenger, and I know that you're also a messenger, as messengers, it's extra tricky because it's like, well, if I'm doing my work, but nobody's hearing it or seeing it, is it really doing the work? And I've been posed with that question in my contemplations and my meditations quite often. And one of the things that, of course, my guide is White Eagle, as many people know, White Eagle comes to me and says, it's about influence, Carrie. It's not about fame. And then I see somebody who's one of my cohorts turning to fame and celebrityism and really changing in the process of that, like totally changing. And I go, wow, now I really don't want fame, <laughs> you know, because I don't want to become something other than what I what I am in my purest moment right now in my in my isness inside myself. I don't want to lose that because I went on some television show and or two newscasts or something and people found out and or I did a TED talk. And I think that's one of the things that's keeping me from a TED talk, honestly, is because I don't know that I want all that attention. Like I feel like I want to make a difference. I want to share these ideas. But I don't necessarily want the attention in the way that it would make me change myself or or honestly confront my ego, right? My sense of vanity. Because I think that that would definitely confront that shadow of vanity within me. And I would be really uncomfortable to face in a public way, right? So I don't know that I want that challenge. And tell me what your thoughts are about that. Because maybe it's just a big cop-out and... You know, maybe my friend Shaman Durek is actually like doing the harder work by being in the public and facing that vanity shadow. And I'm just sitting back in the shadows going, oh, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to face that monster. I'm not going to go and attack that dragon. No way. That thing is going to have my mind by the tail. I don't want to do that. No, thanks. <laughs> well, and you're reminding me of some things that I felt my soul was calling me to do that I didn't want to do. And one was to run a marathon that I never thought I ever wanted to do, but I had been praying and meditating. What's it going to take for me to come full circle after my experience being 15 feet from the first of two explosions at the Boston Marathon bombings? And I had, at this point, I had been on a three and a half year journey learning how to heal naturally, something I had no prior knowledge to do. My background is in business. I went to school for accounting and economics and, you know, health and well-being and nutritionist was not... I didn't have the skills and the talents and the degrees in that area. And yet I was led down this path to learn that actually. And so that was the first message in the ER room. You need to go on a path and learn how to heal naturally. I'm like, what? And so- That's intense because you, I mean, I've run marathons, Jennifer, and that, those marathons are crowded. Just that Boston, I remember that Boston marathon, actually. I remember when that happened. I didn't know you when that happened. I've met you since that happened, but- for those of you who don't know about that incident, there was a group that set a bomb off in the middle of the Boston Marathon, and many people were very injured from that bomb. And I think a couple of people died as well. And it was very traumatic for the community in Boston, because this is like, you know, if you've ever been to a marathon or you've ever run a marathon, it's like a community gathering. It's something that you do as a community to celebrate health and fitness and wellness and getting out there and, and moving your body. And it's like a very positive thing. And then to have that plunked in the middle of it is is very traumatizing, very exposing, very vulnerable. And then to recover from that after, yeah. So tell more about um, you. Get, you're in the ER as a recovering from your injuries from this um, blast, and who knows even why it happened. I mean, it's so random. It has nothing to do with any of the actual people. It's not like you asked for it or deserved it, right? You didn't. You didn't have an enemy. You just showed up to run the marathon, and there it is. So well, life delivering you this consequence. You were running. Yeah. No, I wasn't that. Day, oh, you was, were there. Was a spectator. Oh, you were a spectator. Was a spectator. That was so I born and raised in the Boston area, went to undergrad, grad school, worked in the city. I had never been to the marathon except for that year. And a dear <sighs> friend called me up and said, Hey, you know the city like the back of your hand. My son's running the race for the first time. We go with me. Is it sure? So I was there as a spectator helping a friend. 
And then this experience happened. And then fast forward, I'm in the ER and I'm, you know, faced with this big decision because everyone else around me, the doctors, the nurses, those that were there were like urging me to stay. But my higher infinite wisdom was telling me something different. What do you do? And this goes back to your question. What do you do? And there was something about that message that I knew, I knew that I was like so close to death. And I was so terrified that I was listening to this message like it was a parent guiding me, if that makes sense. And so Mm. I did what everyone else said I shouldn't do. And I followed that instinct and it led me down a three and a half year journey, learning how to heal 100% naturally, which I can sit here before you and say I've done. But then I still felt like the that experience had a hold on me. And I'm like, what's it going to take to come full circle and close that chapter of my life? And at this point, I had started working with a trainer and I had worked with trainers many times before the bombings happened. So doing that wasn't new to me, but this was my first time back training in three and a half years. And I could barely lift a five and a half, uh, five pound dumbbell. And I used to do triathlons before this. I used to do all kinds of different things, uh, not a marathon at that stage. And as I am getting warmed up to meet with my trainer, there's a woman in front of me on the treadmill in the back of her shirt said, I finished, can you? And in that moment, I heard my next step was to run the marathon. I'm like, I don't want to freaking run the marathon. Can I sign up for something else, please? It is it's pretty challenging, especially the last six miles, which is the whole marathon. <laughs> the last six miles is tough, man. And I will say I spent the next five and a half months. Now I went into that kicking and screaming because in and again, my team of practitioners and doctors said, your body isn't ready. By my intelligence said I was going to do it five and a half months later. Let's be clear, I wasn't going to be breaking any any records or anything like that, but I wasn't sure I could finish. But through source and spirit, I did. Through the grace of God, I did. And when I crossed that finish line, I actually closed that chapter of my life and a complete new one opened. So sometimes we are called to do things that we don't necessarily want to do. We have to face our own identity and face our own failures. I get to tell you that five and a half months, I did nothing but eat, breathe, drink, sleep the marathon. You know, you've run marathons before. They tell you if you can do a 20 miler, you know, the probability of you finishing is greater. Well, a week before the race, I hadn't gotten to 20 miles. I had only gotten to 17. And I knew how important mentally that 20 mile was. So again, I did what everyone else said you shouldn't do. I went out a week, I think it was like 10 days before the actual marathon. And I did a 20 miler and it took over 10 friggin' hours to do. And I cried and cried and was like, I don't know how the frig I'm going to eke out another 6.2. But then I shifted my perspective, Carrie. So I had been focusing on, you know, listen, you and I know this. We know how to visualize. We know how to meditate. We know how to do all that. And a lot of our listeners know this too, right? And I was visualizing, doing everything I could to visualize my body and myself doing the 26.2 miles. I literally would do different parts of the route to try to get that embodiment. And I still struggled to get it. I couldn't see myself doing it that way. And then I met Alison Levine. She spoke at a women's conference just outside of Boston. And Alison Levine was the first female who led a team of women to climb Mount Everest. And my God, meeting her was such a blessing because the first time they attempted, they were stopped short with a storm. And she was faced with a critical decision. Do I continue to persevere or do I head back? And she opted head back. And she's been criticized for that for years, you know, because people viewed it as failure. She's come to realize all of her team came back safe and alive. And that was a success. And a few years later, she went back and she, she, you know, finished what she started. But here was the point. There was something in her message that got me to see, to look at something differently. Rather than look at the 26.2 miles, which I was struggling to embrace, I was drawn to go look at the race map and see how many towns. And it was eight towns. So for the next week, all I did was visualize and meditate on eight towns. I finished the race in eight hours and 45 minutes, which was 
a record breakthrough for me at that time, all because I shifted my perspective and it became lighter. I'm not saying it wasn't a challenge because it was a huge challenge, but what if, what if, you know, life presents us with these opportunities that we kick and scream and resist, but yet it's the very thing that our soul is calling us forth so that we can break through and recognize another aspect of our uniqueness, another aspect of our divinity, another aspect of our amazingness, and where we can tap into another layer of our own superpowers. And I don't mean that in a better than kind of way, but just like we get to see who we really are. Yeah, I love that. I love what you're sharing. It's um, it's a big thing to take on a marathon, right? Like that's a nice, big, healthy, meaty morsel of a requirement from your soul. Like, hey, you're going to do this. And and on the heels of that trauma that you experienced as well. So that as the, you know, kind of healing that grain association between the trauma of what happened at the Boston Marathon with marathons in general or running in general, being part of big community gatherings and big events like that. Like, I'm sure you faced a lot as you ran down the trail, as you ran through all the cities that you went to. I'm sure you faced on the inside all those fears and all those body traumas that were lodged in your body from that experience too, right? I mean, talk a little bit about that too. What was that like for you? I did. Um, I will. One of the blessings was I trained on the course throughout the five and a half months. I would do segments of it. And the first time that I did the last, I think it was five miles of the actual marathon, my body froze when I got close to the actual bomb site, literally froze. It didn't want to move. And I was with two of my friends at the time and they're like, Jen, what happened? I'm like, I can't move. My hips are locked. I can't move. And I just started crying and crying. And my soul sister, Carolyn, said to me, dear friend of mine from high school, interestingly enough, we we were more acquaintances in high school, but we've become close friends. And she said, we were going to get you across that line today, even if it means we have to slow the pace down, but we're not giving up. We're not stopping here. And I'll tell you, it took something to take that next step. And I had to lean on them to be able to do that. I couldn't put weight on my own I couldn't put full weight on my body. It was weird because it literally like was my body was stopping me in frozen mode. And as I slowly worked through that, I was releasing trauma from that day. I mean, that was three and a half, almost four years later. And so the day of the race, 100% in the back of your mind going, okay, could this, you know, you're thinking this can happen again. People are cheering and there's so much noise and that is even a distraction for me, you know, as a sensitive human being, it kind of threw my rhythm a bit. I had to take several timeouts. I had my acupuncturist at the time meet me at mile seven and to help me, you know, as I was going through it. And there were, I remember at mile, I think it was 14 or 15. I was like, I got to stop. I can't, I can't do this. And Carolyn was with me that day too. And she's like, we're doing this. I made a promise to you that we would cross that line no matter what it takes. And so that's the other thing. It's like having people in your life that understand the importance of finishing what you started when you don't think you can finish it yourself. And she made a vow to herself and to me before that day, long before that day, that whatever it takes, even if it meant we had to crawl. And so she's like, get your ass up, let's go. And then we persevered. But Absolutely. You know, and as I got closer that day, I was like, I was terrified and elated at the same time. Like, maybe I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to come full circle. But at the same time, like, oh shit, like I'm replaying a little bit of what happened, you know, four years before. But here was the miracle in all of this. So, you know, when you come around the bend, they call it, you know, coming across Hereford into Boylston Street, which is the last leg of the finish line. And what I didn't know is that my family and closest friends would be standing in the very spot I was in four years before. So now when I think of the marathon, I have a brand new memory. I have a memory of people cheering and clapping and laughing and my own success in coming full circle. I don't instantly go to the the day that I saw horror that no human being should ever have to experience. None. That's such a beautiful story of reprogramming and filling up with beauty, something that was painful, you know, going back to the process. I mean, I always look at 
just about everything in my life that's been really painful, uh, where I had a deep wound or a trauma, the medicine has always been to lean into that, to lean into that pain, to feel it, to feel it fully and to come into my body and let it process. And then to fill it up with something more beautiful. Maybe I changed the perspective, as you're saying, you know, maybe I changed the story. And there's been many wounds in my life where I've changed the story of that thing. And that has made all the difference. I call that spider medicine in my groups, you know, calling on spider to say, weave a new web, help me weave a new web of this and create something more beautiful. And, and yes, this is transformation in action, Jennifer, like what you've done in your own life. This is the transformational path. And I love that story because that is a, it's living proof. Just like my journey, your journey, we're living proof that you can totally transform your life. You can rewrite the whole story of your life and come out the other side with something way more beautiful. And that's the kind of thing I love to share on the show. I mean, that's why I do this. I do this because it's not just one person. There isn't one savior coming for everybody. I love the fact that it's all of us, that every single one of us has that potential to come out of the trauma with beauty in our hearts. That's the beauty way. That's the walk that I walk. And thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, I feel like this is, this is why I think that we've gone through this time of, of the COVID, right? Like the, the time to question ourselves, is that really all there is for everybody is whatever goals or measures you had? Because I feel like we're being called up to, to think of life in a really radically different way. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think, you know, we are, we are being challenged and asked, why do we do what we do? And, you know, I want to go back to something that you spoke about, about the TED Talk. You know, if there's something that's calling you forth and you're scared, here's what I've come to understand. Those of us that have gone through a lot of trauma and pain, and listen, I believe everybody in the planet has experienced trauma to some degree or another. And this isn't, you know, this isn't about comparing it. It's like, I actually believe we all have. Now the question is, what do we need to do to transcend it, to shift ourselves out of survival or even surviving better mentality and step into our birthright, which I perceive is thriving, where all of us are thriving. But in order to do this, we have to become our own saviors. We have to be able to go through those painful experiences and let those traumas go literally release them from our cellular structure and from our DNA in order to lighten us up so that we can ascend and evolve and, and get back to our birthright of thriving and creating what I call heaven on earth. You know, and I think that's it. And, and for those of us that are called to influence on a greater level, we're being asked to do things that we otherwise would be scared of. Because, you know, listen, I can get up in front of people and talk about anything other than me. So doing this film was such, it was probably the biggest challenge I've ever endured because I had to be real and vulnerable and share myself when I hid behind that and had these, you know, facades that I hid behind to keep myself safe and to protect myself. Because God forbid, if somebody got to learn about all the things that I've done or all the experiences I've gone through, they might not love me. But the truth is like, when we step forth, it's an act of self-love. And it's not like when we can get to the place where we're not doing it for the validation from someone else, you know, it's about validation of our own self and continuing to evolve in whatever way that is. And those of us that have gone through a lot of different traumatic experiences and have done our own inner work and we continue to do our inner work, then when we get up and speak, real like we are doing here today that is inspiring others that this is the way the way the way forward is inward it's not to numb that it's not to to run from that and trust me listen i in the last two weeks i've been going through this whole rebirth and looking at my shadow side and looking at where i compromise myself for others and and judging and all of these things and i'm like oh my gosh and I've had to surrender and stop and, and show compassion and forgiveness to myself. And I kind of sit there and I have a judgment going, I thought I'd done this already. All right, this is life. This is what it means to be human. Around the spiral again, you know, up and out, we see it from another perspective, another lens, and then we go down and deep inside to 
healing clear the next piece. And so, yeah, it's that constant spiral up and spiraled up back down in and, and the next layer of it comes up to the surface. And I just learned to be, I've been called to be very transparent on my path up until now about everything from the very first book all the way through today. And so I do my best to just say what's on my heart and what's on my mind, because I feel like we're all facing the similar things, the, the themes, the patterns, but in maybe in our own way, in our own kaleidoscope dot on that matrix, you know, we're, we're experiencing that version of it and we can relate to each other, maybe not in the specifics, but in the overall themes and the things that we're feeling and that we're going through. And yeah, like judging ourselves, like I could judge myself for judging Shaman Durek. <laughs> I could totally judge myself. I, I did put some tobacco on myself outside. I was like, oh, Carrie, you're going into territory that's maybe not, you know, in your highest good. And I know it's not my highest good. And I need to be honest with where I'm at. The piece that you mentioned about your friends and your family that were waiting at that exact same spot that you were at, where they reframed, they helped reframe that for you by showing up for you. Or your friends that they helped you out at mile seven or mile 14, and they wouldn't let you quit. That's the kind of community that I am interested in building and the kind of relationships that I'm interested in building. And so when I meet people along the way that, you know, because I have shaman's vision too, I can see, I can see what's in someone's heart. And when I see what's in someone's heart and that's the kind of person they are too, but they're just not doing it. That to me, that's the heartbreak for me, I think, because what I really desire is for us to support each other. I mean, I got huge support on the Holy Mountain this year. I went on the pilgrimage to the Holy Mountain. The Holy Mountain kicked my butt. I had a 777 initiation on the Holy Mountain. It kicked my ass. It's like, Carrie, you need to rely on other people for support. You need to let other people help you. Because it's one of my major things. Like I do it myself. I'm very independent. And I actually saw something on social media about this the other day about really highly independent people and why they're really highly independent is because they don't think they can rely on anybody. You know, they kind of have had that experience throughout their lives that they're pretty much the buck stops with me. I just have to do it myself. Nobody else can do it the way I can. So I just got to, and that's kind of been the story of my life and many other brilliant women that I know. So what I'm trying to learn how to do now is discern the people who will be there for me in my moment of need to help me take that next step to be my, the wind under my wings, to help me have confidence to stay, to take the next step. And especially when I've also supported people, you know, to do in their own life, because I love to be the support, you know, but um, not always a supported one, you know, so I'll help everybody else, but no, ask for help. I don't know about that. So that's kind of where I'm at is that question. And this year at the Holy Mountain, just to wrap that story up, I was so physically challenged at the Holy Mountain, so physically challenged that I actually, on the way back to go down to the town, the chef was on one side and the shaman was on the other. And they had to literally help me get up the last few hills to get down the hill. I couldn't do it by myself. I was running out of breath, like almost instantly, my body was just giving out on me and I just, I wasn't able to do it. I didn't prepare adequately for it. I mean, my soul guided me to not prepare. So I, so I would have this experience of not being able to just charge through and do it myself, dang it. Because I don't need you people. I don't need anybody. Screw you all. I don't do it myself. You know, that's, that's the one that's deep inside me. And that's the one that gets kind of like triggered, you know, because it's like, see, there's another example. See, but then that's the reticular activating system you're talking about. And so how do we, you know, we need to change those stories. You had this beautiful experience, your family standing by your side, helping you change that story saying, nope, this is the new story that lives in Jennifer's mind with, with marathons right here, right now, your family is right here to support you. I love that. Like, I want everybody to have that experience. I want to have it too. But I want everybody else to have it too. I wish we all had that experience. You know what it took? What? It took me having to do something I don't do easily. I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this race, what is it that I need to successfully finish this race? And I needed people that I loved and who loved me pretty much at every mile along that journey who could remind me and to cheer me on and to not let me quit. So that was a big ask and a big thing. And I was shocked. I was shocked at who came out. I mean, some of my practitioners came out, right. Who had been treating me and they didn't have to do that. And they did. Right. It was like a, it was like a, a marathon for all of us. Right. Because they had been by my side for 
several years and then to see me come full circle and they helped me get there. It took a village. You know, if you think I ran that race on my own, heck no, I couldn't have done that on my own. And I think that was the lesson that, you know, spirit was teaching me. God was teaching me was stop doing it alone. And why is it that so many of us are independent? I know for myself, it's a protective mechanism to not feel hurt and to keep things safe and, oh, I can, I can, whatever. But then there's an aspect of where we're slowly dying because there's another aspect of ourselves that are longing to feel connected, who are longing to, you know, we are natural givers. I love to support and give people. I can be the biggest cheerleader for people, but I sometimes forget to be the biggest cheerleader for me and and raise my hand and going, wait a minute, I need some support too. I forget even to this day, (laughs) like, you know, facing something now that I'm like, my gosh, I got myself here. It's no one else's fault. And I'm not criticizing or judging myself, but like, wow, there, there you go again, you know, just overgave and you didn't put yourself in a situation that was reciprocal. Yes. Reciprocal. That's the discernment I was talking about. It's like, yeah, when we're givers, we don't always discern that there's a reciprocal nature to the engagement that we're doing, right? It took me a long time on my podcast actually to get to the place where I asked to be interviewed. So I I say, okay, I'll interview you and I would love for you to interview me. And I have a lot of people that want to be on my podcast now because I've done really well at top 5% podcast uh, globally. So, you know, the podcast doing really well because I put a lot of effort into it for the last six years, you know, every single week putting an episode out. And so, yeah, some people want to be on my show and I'm always like, well, (laughs) I'm into reciprocity now, (laughs) you know, like I, unless I'm really, really hugely inspired, you know, most of the time I'm into more of the conversations that I can have more than just one conversation too. Like I like having a conversation with you, Jennifer, here. And then I like to have a conversation over on your show, which I know you're you're building a whole new show, which is so exciting, you guys. Which you are, which you are. You already <laughs> said yes to, so you can't back I already, no. I already said yes. Yeah, I'm really excited about Jennifer's new show because this is going to be great. I know it's going to be awesome. You guys could definitely tune into that. And, you know, but I like this. Like to me, supporting each other is really fun. And what feels to me like an energy drain now is when somebody doesn't want to reciprocate. It's like, oh, it's all about you. Every And that, they think that's the other thing that's really triggering me is I'm seeing, and I'm not saying that's what's happening. I'm just saying that's what I'm seeing. And it's a reflection for me to see is this like me, 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 me stuff. Like it's all about me and my big dream and I'm a celebrity king and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, well, what about the planet? What about community? What about the rest of us? What about... What about deleting these structures of caste? What about, you know, I want to, I want to disrupt all of that. Like I want there to be no more caste system. I don't want any more elite wealthy. I don't really like kings and queens and all that crap. I'd rather have everybody be equal and equally appreciated, equally loved, you know, unique and and equal, you know, and that's the world I'm going for. And so it's not the me, me, me. It's the we, we, we. Exactly. And that's the phrase, that's the phrase of my movement. Together we rise, together we thrive. It's not about me. It's about we. And it's about how do we create the we as we move forward. And as we create new ways of living, new systems, I'm with you. Like, you know, I don't want to be part of trying to keep something that doesn't work. It just doesn't work. Like the way that we, our systems and our everything, right? It doesn't work. How do I know? Because the vast majority of people are suffering and and, and survive. In some cases, they're barely surviving. They're in different levels of the surviving camp, barely surviving, surviving, and surviving better. There are very few people on the planet that are truly thriving. I want to build the bridges that get us as community to thriving. And that means we, not me, we. And I'm with you, like when there's this reciprocity, I can't even speak today, but when there's this this synergistic way, it's just effortless, it's fun. And it reminds me of like childlike ways of being, right? Like, oh, hey, who do I get to play with today? Who do I get to co-create with today? Oh, how do I help them fulfill their dreams and, and goals in life? And then without me having to beg and plead are willing to do the same for me. Like, it's just a natural flow. And I think this is it where we are, being called forth to re-look at our community, our inner circle. Is it serving us? 
Or is it time for us to make a change? I know for myself, there are changes happening in my own tribe, which is bittersweet, right? Because for me, there's grief that goes with that. Because I'm like, oh man, I really thought that so-and-so and so-and-so would come on this next leg of the journey. But this is where free will comes into play and everybody gets to choose. And sometimes this journey is too big for, it takes a lot of chutzpah to face our fears. You know, as I embark on this next journey, I'm scared. I'm not going to lie. But yet there's a there's a knowing inside of me that this is my path forward. And I liken fear as face everything and rise. So now I reframe my own fear. Oh, right. You know, am I really in danger? No. Most of the time it's no. Thank God. And it's like, okay, then, oh, right. I'm in another growth mode again. And have some compassion and gentleness and kindness with myself because I'm I'm pushing myself outside my comfort zone again. And not everyone's going to come on the next leg. I wish they would, but that's not for me to choose. Yeah, it's very triggering because the more that we step into we, the more identity layers of me have to be released. And then that makes different choices. It helps us to make different kinds of choices as we step forward in our lives. Because we're doing it through a different lens. We're doing it from a different understanding. And, you know, you would only have that understanding if you actually do the work and embody that. You get the understanding and it's not a performance. It's a real thing that you just walk and you just are and you just talk. And everyone can feel the congruence when what you're saying is matching what you're doing and who you're being. And those of us who have eyes to see can see right through things. So there's no more, you know, that's one thing I love about this, um, you know, the great awakening is that as we move forward and face our fears, Jennifer, we actually, we gain the kingdom and the kingdom is what? The true kingdom is being able to know in truth who we are in truth, what we are in truth, how we serve in truth as we walk the planet without any kind of confusion or doubt anymore, because that's part of the lower paradigm. But we just know. And the, the upside of that is that we just know the downside is that we see a lot and some of it we can't say and some of it we do anyway, even though we shouldn't, but because <laughs> we can see right through things and, you know, and that, and everybody that's at that place can see right through it. And so, yeah, yeah, it's a definitely, this is, I've often wondered like, what's it going to be like as more people wake up and get psychic gifts and that the whole thing like up levels and I'm and I, I guess I'm getting to find out because that's what's happening. And I'm getting to see like, oh, wow, there's a lot of spectrum here and how people wake up and how they use their psychic gifts and what they use it for and what's the intention underneath it. And like, wow. So there's a big playground here for us to play. And I, I think that uh, a lot of people are going to be at different places in it. And I'm going to do my best to not judge, although I do have the shadow of judgment in my chart. So, oh my goodness, I'll just see it as a matter of integrity. How's that? <laughs> Well, just it's something to keep you in check, right? I think this yeah. is this is it. It when we can actually this is the other piece, and I love that you're bringing it up, right? I used to run from my shadows, right? And that's what I've come to realize is no, love my shadow because my shadow is showing me where I'm out of balance within myself. You know that I've I've overscheduled myself, whatever the case may be, right? Or that it's time for me to up level and create new daily rituals, like. I have been meditating consistently for years, but in the last, I'd say two to four weeks, I have been called to meditate more on a daily basis, not less, more. Mm -hmm. And so I do it two to three times a day because so that I can just get myself grounded, get myself centered, and then, and then be able to go out and do what, you know, I do in the world. And that's a whole, you know, change, you know, and I'm really getting these messages of less and more. And then my mind goes, yeah, but there's all these things that have to get done and whatever. And it's like, okay, well, maybe you've got to find resources to open up and extend to, oh, well, but then what happened, you know, and then our mind goes through all this stuff. But the key is just to embody and trust that all the right resources will show up in divine timing to help you on the next leg of the journey. And it doesn't have to be hard. It actually can be fun and playful. And it can be like this magic carpet ride. Like I just got to say, like this year is not at all what I had planned. It isn't. And the people that I've gotten to meet has been so juicy, so amazing. I feel like I'm coming home to my soul family. 
Oh, beautiful. I love that. Yeah. The fractals are aligning us from Gene Key speak, but that just means that the souls that are part of the same soul family are coming back together. And I do feel that as well. And that feels really good to be in that coming back together again. And, and at a conscious level, remembering ourselves that I feel I've felt for a long time now, even before this started, when I first published the second wave book in 2019 and all the downloads I got for that book, I was like, oh my gosh, like as soon as people become conscious, we're at a whole new game on earth because now we're going to remember things. We're going to know what to do. We're going to be working with the earth and listening. And then things are going to get a lot easier in terms of resolving some of the challenges that we're having on the planet right now. And I think still all of that happens as we submit to the we. It's like, and it's a conscious submitting because there's like beauty in that. And the me, me, me is going to get really boring pretty soon. I think it's really, it's so played out. And uh, it's kind of like the Monopoly game. I don't, I'm done with that playing that game. And I just, I want to have the, I was sitting at the river the other day, as I told you, and I was sitting there and I was like, wow, what would this be like if, if so many of us were gathered right here at this river instead of racing by in cars and we were just sitting in the bubble of presence? We would have heard the snake slip into the water we would have been surprised as I was as it showed up in the river in front of me and then glided on by and, and I got up to see if I could get a picture of it and couldn't touch it in time and it disappeared mysteriously. What if we all shared that together? What if that was the new earth? What if that was, what if it was no longer about getting, acquiring, having Black Friday sale what if it was really about being present and in really in the mystery together and letting everything expand into that beautiful space that happens when you sit and be quiet? What if it's really about that and not so much about the other? Oh, I think that the the insights I get when I'm still, like you're saying, they're profound. And I don't need to do a whole lot. I just got to, like you said, I also have been called to be still, mostly because I catch myself in a judgment. I go, oh, I need to go be still again. Okay. I caught myself in another judgment. Let me let me go be still with that one and see what's the goal in that for me. Okay, what's Carrie's goal today? Okay. And then embody that, you know, and then I go about my day until I catch myself and I'm like, oh, there's another one. Okay. It's like that. It's like a lot of stillness. But I think that's how we don't transform by avoiding. We transform by really going into the shadow and embodying it. Like you've so beautifully demonstrated in your story. It's gorgeous. Thank you so much for being willing to share all of that. Is there anything last that you want to say as a sort of like a cherry on the top for everybody here? I just encourage people to lean in and it's worth it. It is worth it because in you're worth it. You're worth it. We're all worth it. And I would also say surround yourself with people who believe in you more than you necessarily believe in yourself and who won't quit on you when the when the going gets rough and you want to quit on yourself. Have those people in your life who call you forth to be something who you were designed to be. And it requires you transcending through your fear and through your pain. And I get to tell you, it's like sometimes those people that give us the biggest kicks in our butts are really telling us on a cellular level how much they love and care because they can see where your magnificence is and where you're stepping into and they don't want you to quit on you. And that's, if you don't have that kind of inner circle tribe, then I would encourage you to start to look at that because life becomes juicy. And I love what you said about surrounding yourself with people who can see you and who can call you out on your shit actually. Like, it's kind of scary to, I know that you can see, right? Like, and it's like, you know, and when people can see, they can, they can see the bullshit when you're not being congruent to your own message and your own word. And there is a whole nother level of congruence that happens there and integrity that happens there and realness that happens there. And then that's when we have an opportunity to transcend and lean into that. Yeah. And sometimes the answer is to be brave enough to be that friend that shares that with you, <laughs> but maybe privately. So anyway. Um, well, I think, I think <laughs> yes. And I think that's it. it. Like courage. Like, you know, there's times where I'm like, you want me to say what? I'm like, oh, that's going to offend the person. And I don't want to offend ever, but sometimes we have to be able to 
speak whatever comes through us because it's what the person needs to hear. They might not want to hear it, but to help them on their path forward. And also for the collective, because there's a lot of people waking up to psychic gifts now, waking up to shamanism, waking up to awakening, transformation work all over the planet. And so as we start to notice things, I think it is important for us to speak up and to say, hey, that's great. And now there's also this. Let's move the conversation over here because this conversation is a higher conversation. We want to open people up to use their gifts in a blessed way, you know, for the planet, I believe, in a wee way. I agree. I agree. In a wee, a wee way. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for all that. That's gorgeous. So I want to just encourage everybody, please um, go on Amazon and check out. I'll put a link in the show notes, but go check out Jennifer's book. There's got to be more to life. Um, the movie, the transformation. Where can they find that transformational movie, so, Jennifer? Actually, actually, if they type in, if they type in, there's got to be more to life. It brings them directly to our homepage. Um, they'll get some free gifts. We actually have an amazing sync up meditation that one of our featured guests created for these times. And it's all about receiving. So it's called sync up and it's got um, some beautiful music that's, uh, that goes with it's about 11 minutes and it's all about opening up to receive so there's some special gifts you can go to there's got to be more life.com you'll get redirected to rise and thrive productions.com and you can watch the film you can purchase the film and stream it and you have lifetime access to it beautiful so i'll put i'll put that link in the show notes everybody so you can find it i'm usually interviewing authors today i'm interviewing a filmmaker so sorry for that mistake i'm really excited to uh, share that and actually go watch it to myself um beautiful story and so like I always ask, here's my ask, everybody, please like and subscribe and share this episode out so that more people find out about Soul Nectar Show and all of these amazing stories I put out week after week for six years now of people that have overcome traumatic things. I think the world needs to understand that it's possible to get through this stuff because everybody's going through a hard time. Guaranteed in all these episodes, there's some wisdom for that person in your life that is struggling. So please share it out. Appreciate you for doing that. And we're going to give you kisses now because we appreciate and love you so much. Would you like to join me, Jennifer, in kisses? Absolutely. Okay, here's some kisses, everybody. Love you all. And thank you, Jennifer, for being on the show. And see you, everybody else next week on Soul Nectar Show. Have a great week. Bye for now, everyone. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show... Will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are Yeah, yeah